Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 25 The City of Dis A Space Without Time Dorothy was still unsure if she could trust Vel, though after hearing the story of Plutus, she had a whole new level of respect for her. They traveled through the Empire of the Blind King with relative ease. The city was massive and sprawling. Its roads were winding and narrow, and the city's hot air was uncomfortable and nauseating. Traveling from one end of the city to the other took what must have been several days back in Kansas, with minimal rest. Once out of the city, they found themselves at the bank of yet another river. Seems like a lot of rivers here, said Dorothy, looking down at the rushing water that was currently blocking their path. Many cities in the other side are surrounded by water, replied Vel. If you were to jump into this river and drift you would eventually find yourself right back to where you started. So, how do we cross? asked Dorothy. Vel looked back at the black tower of Plutus, still visible on the horizon behind them. Two flames burst from the top of the tower, one after another. Dorothy watched as her leader then pointed across the river. A thick, foggy haze covered the landscape, but in it, somewhere off in the distance, they saw a response of flames from another tower. Dorothy watched and listened as the sound of waves crashing could be heard in the distance. The ground started to rumble and shake as a large, familiar figure appeared from within the mist. The stone king from the southern desert wasteland approached. His once genial and gentle face now replaced with one of anger. Vel watched unflinchingly as the king lowered his head to her. What do you want, witch? he asked, not looking at Dorothy. Why, we need to cross the river, answered Vel. There was a strange playfulness in her voice. Then cross, replied the stone king. I will not stand in your way. Well, that's very nice of you. But it just so happens we need you to take us. <laughs> and why would I take you across the river? 
because I am Vel, the one who burned out the eyes of Plutus, the one who cast you in stone, and because she, Vel looked at Dorothy briefly before returning her eyes to the king, is the one that killed Mombi the wicked, the one that killed Krista the vile, the one that murdered Glinda the good. That is why you will take us from this city of hoarders, wasters, wrathful and sullen. You fear us. And if you don't fear us, you will. The king looked at Dorothy and sneered before extending his stone hand for the travelers to climb on. The king remained silent as he begrudgingly carried them across the massive river and said nothing when he sat them down. Dorothy watched as he turned back and disappeared once again into the thick, hazy fog. Vel continued to press onward, not stopping even when she realized her companion was not following. Dorothy turned to Vel, only to see her already a good distance ahead, and ran to catch up. As they traveled through the wasteland of dead trees and sporadic patches of razor grass, the two of them stopped and watched as a strange silhouette formed within the mist before them. It was a short, pear-shaped man, the top of his head covered by fuzzy blonde hair. As he approached, Dorothy's heart began to race, her blood began to boil, and a fiery rage began to surface. She felt a contradictory hot anger and stark, cold anxiety wash over her. Freezing pinpricks of sweat burst from every pore of her body. The tension worsened with each step as the man drew closer. He had a face, but Dorothy could not quite make it out in the distance. There was something familiar about this man. Dorothy felt as though she knew him from somewhere. She just could not figure out from where. Tears welled as she strained her eyes in a vain attempt to make out his face. As he came closer and closer to her, what little detail his face had disappeared completely. Not only that, but with each passing step, the rest of the details of his body began to fade as well. By the time he was within two feet of her, all that was left was a pale, fleshy mannequin standing before her. What do you want from me? Dorothy screamed. The words came from her mouth, but had no meaning to her as she spoke. They boiled up from the pit of her stomach 
choking her as they made their way through her throat and out of her mouth. I did what you wanted me to do. I fucking hate you. I hate myself for what you made me do. God, I fucking hate myself for you. Dorothy fell to her knees and sobbed uncontrollably. I hate myself for you. Because of you. Because of me. What more do you want from me? The man knelt before her. And though he had no eyes, Dorothy knew he was looking straight into hers. There was no remorse from him. Vel nonchalantly grabbed the blade from Dorothy's side. The figure stood up as Dorothy stayed down, weeping softly now. Vel and the man made invisible eye contact. The muscles beneath the flesh of his blank face moved and contorted, taking the form of a smile where there was no mouth. She ran the knife into his throat and twisted. The muscles loosened as the invisible smile disappeared. Dorothy looked up and watched as Vel stepped back, letting go of the knife. The figure pulled it out and dropped it to the ground. A thick, dark green, almost black oil flowed from the wound. His knees buckled as he fell. He heaved and sputtered as he held his throat, trying to stop the hemorrhaging. Dorothy's anger and anxiety disappeared completely as she stood up. Looking down at the man, she watched as more than a dozen sets of hands reached up from beneath the surface and began tearing into his paper-thin flesh. She felt no remorse as she watched the man writhing in pain. No remorse as she watched his body being ripped apart, piece by piece. Don't forget your knife, said Vel sternly, as she stepped over the remains of the body and continued to press onward. Dorothy was both physically and emotionally exhausted by the time she and Vel approached the gate and the great wall surrounding the city of Dis. Vel noticed her companion's weariness, but showed no signs of empathy or sympathy. Where exactly are we going? asked Dorothy, with a slight shortness of breath. Her pace had slowed considerably 
to the point that she was now trailing several feet behind her guide. In order to escape the other side, replied Vel, we must travel through it. To the bottom of this wretched cesspool. They approached the gate and found themselves stopped by three gargoyles. Each one was small in stature, with only a few humanoid features. Their feet were cloven, and their heads covered in serpents, like a medusa. On their backs were large bat-like wings. What are, said the first one. You doing, said the second one. Here, witch, said the third one. Do not test me today, said Vel, looking directly at the first one. We are on our way to see Cositis. The gargoyles all looked at Vel as they took turns talking. You can go if you promise never to come back here. They looked past Vel to Dorothy, and with disgusted perversion in their voices, they said, But you must stay. Dorothy looked at Vel. For the first time since arriving in the other side, she was genuinely worried that she would be forever lost, fated not only to never return home to Kansas, but to never return to Oz proper. Vel did not return the glance. She only looked ahead at the gargoyles, a staring contest between the four of them, lasting only seconds, but feeling like minutes, in a time and place when minutes felt like hours. The snakes that made the gargoyle's hair hissed loudly as the first one looked to his right. Dorothy and Vel watched as his mouth opened wide, its jaws unhinging with two loud pops. The second one laughed with giddy joy and glee as it was consumed by the first. The third gargoyle flapped its wings in excitement as he looked at his brother, with his large, pregnant belly protruding. Fingers and claws could be seen pressing outward from the gargoyle's tightly stretched flesh. He opened his mouth with the same unhinged pop and continued to devour his second brother. Dorothy took several steps back as the gargoyle grew to the point that he not only towered over his feminine adversaries, but towered over the wall and the gates that barred entrance to the city. This monster could easily scoop up the two of them with one hand and crush them like a cheap tin can. Vel dropped to her knees, then to her hands. She screamed in sheer agony as her back slowly ripped open along her spine. The sound was so loud and so visceral, Dorothy could not help but cover her ears out of reflex. She watched in a mix of horror, disgust, and morbid curiosity, as two large, 
black raven's wings emerged from the wound, followed by a large raven's body, covered in the same dark green oil that bled from the man on the riverside. As it made its way out of Vel's back, it flapped its wings, showering oil on everything in sight. Dorothy turned her back on the spectacle in a failed attempt to save herself from the shower of filth. The bird struggled for a few seconds as it gathered its bearings and flapped its wings frantically. It gained its balance as it took flight. It was still relatively small in comparison to the gargantuan that stood before them. The monster simply laughed at what it must have considered to be a trivial sight. The raven croaked and cawed, calling a large murder of crows and an unkindness of ravens to come forth from the body of the still-screaming Vel. The birds flocked around and swarmed the gargantuan. The ones he managed to knock away only returned with even more animosity. Amid the chaos and confusion, the large bird flew into the sky, disappearing into the heavy white fog that hung low in the air. As the giant screamed and swatted at the smaller birds, the large raven came back down, landing on the monster's back. It let out a loud, shrieking, before planting its razor-sharp beak firmly in the back of the gargoyle's neck. The monster screamed in pain as its large, snake's nest of hair hissed and nipped at the bird. Another murder burst from the bloody, oily mess that was Vel. It ascended into the sky like an arrow shot straight into the air, only to descend in the same fashion. The murder collectively pecked and pulled at the snakes, ripping them apart one by one before plunging their beaks into the top of the gargoyle's head. As they bore their beaks into its leathery flesh, they began to burrow, disappearing into its head, sometimes one by one, sometimes two by two, and even three by three in rare moments. The remaining snakes fell lifeless and limp as more birds burrowed deeper inside. As the battle raged on, the gargantuan stumbled back, knocking a large hole in the wall. Seeing that his chances of victory were getting slimmer by the second, he began flapping his own wings, lifting his body from the ground. He opened his mouth as one hundred, if not more, Birds flew out in a flurry of deafening cause. I concede, he screamed. I can't. The monster fell to the ground once more with a thunderous boom as the birds stopped their relentless assault and returned to their host. The gargantuan, battered and bloodied, attempted to lift himself once more, but found himself only able to crawl a short distance before collapsing in death.
Even though she watched the entire barrage unfold, Dorothy still could not believe her eyes. Vel remained on her hands and knees, as nearly every bird, even the large raven, somehow managed to climb back into her body. The girl from Kansas continued to watch as the wound closed, not leaving so much as a small scar on her guide's tattooed back. The city is open now, said Vel as she slowly stood up. She was heavily breathing and clearly exhausted. Let's go.